0: Hello and welcome to the Magical Midlife Podcast, where you get a refreshing, uplifting and optimistic perspective on life in your 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Lindsay DeSwart, and I'm delighted that you've joined us here today. So let's jump right in. So hello and welcome to Magical Midlife Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay DeSwart, and today I am delighted to be able to introduce my guest, Gillian Koch, who is a Good friend, and happens also to be a mum and a naturopathic doctor, and has actually helped me and one of my sons out with our health and getting a really holistic view of moving forward with our health. So, I am delighted to be able to invite Jillanne to share um, her story and her knowledge today. Um, and so, let me hand it over to you, Jillanne. Welcome today. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. Oh, you're so welcome. That's really cool. So what I'd love to do, first of all, is just to get a really good foundation of kind of, you know, who you are, you know, what it is you do Whether you've got kids, a dog, I don't know, a pet lizard, whatever it is, do share with us so we feel like we're getting to know you
1: sounds great so i'm a naturopathic doctor i practice here in ontario i have two beautiful kids who are growing up very quickly on me um i think you somehow knew ahead of time all the pets are the desired pets because we do have a lizard it's you are kidding me i didn't know that that was just a joke It's my son's lizard, but I think it should be mine because I'm the one that ends up feeding it every night. Um, But I am currently searching and researching because my goal is to buy a dog so that I can train it as a therapy dog because I think there's going to be needing lots of healing. And if this little dog can do that, I'm just excited for the opportunity to, to be able to train a puppy to heal the world. That is very cool. That's quite a big weight, though, on
0: puppy shoulders.
1: Yes, oh, and this puppy, puppy shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> this puppy has lots of weight on it. Actually, everybody keeps <laughs> laughing and thinking I am. I've, I'm very hopeful with the achievements I'm going to get from this puppy because <laughs> I keep talking about how it's going to be my pet to replace the kids when they go off, and how it's going to calm my son down, and it's going to be my husband's this. And it's going to be over at the library. And yeah, I've got big ambitions for this little puppy, but I'm hoping it'll be a girl and that I'll be able to name her Abby short for abundance. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, or Percy for perseverance. We're, we're, we're toying with names here.
0: Oh my goodness. And I have fought so hard with my family over the years to have any pet, any pet at all, called Keith, just because it makes me laugh. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe we look at getting you a lizard because, you know, <laughs> sounds like a good lizard name. <laughs> Except for a lizard. I can't have a lizard. <laughs> anyway,
0: back to more important things. <laughs> um, I am intrigued about your path because I know that you've moved locations uh, with your family in the past. So first of all, so were you raised on this side of Canada or over on the west side of Canada?
1: Yeah. So I was raised in Richmond Hill. So over on this side of Canada and after school was done, so we're talking nine years of post-secondary, I just felt like I had to get away. I never did the traveling to Europe or the backpacking. So it was just this, I guess, rebel in me that just thought I have to do something different. I have to get out. I have to go. So my husband and I picked up before we were even married and we drove a little cube van across Canada and set up shop there. Um, that's where I started my first practice. It's where, I mean, we flew back to get married, but we bought our first home, had both of our kids there. And then we started to realize that if ever we want a vacation to the Caribbean instead of back to Ontario to visit family, we needed to move back to Ontario. <laughs> so we did. Um people sometimes ask if I regret the move, if I regret having even gone out there in the first place. And absolutely not. It was such a magical life. I loved living out West. The culture and philosophy are just so different. So I'm just grateful I had that opportunity. I'm also grateful to be back and closer to family so I can help them out and they can help me out and, and just really be part of that, this part of the community as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So did you do your naturopathic training straight from after post-secondary?
1: Yeah, so I did a minor in nutrition and nutraceutical sciences and uh, sorry, a major in nutrition, and nutraceutical sciences, a minor in French. So I took five years in my undergrad. And then I uh, went right into naturopathic college, which was another four years. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, so, well, I'm a perpetual student, I could still sit and study all day every day. Seriously. So what's the next
0: thing on the horizon for your studies?
1: Um nothing because I'm still paying off the past studies. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Everybody's cut me off from education. I'll just do continuing education instead
0: now. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. YouTube has some really good videos. You might (laughs) (laughs) and they're free. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Puppy training with YouTube. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah, be careful. That's that'll be like a a bottomless pit of training for you. Excellent. Okay. So you are, I have to say one of the few people I know that actually started off knowing where you were going, what you were doing, the training that you were doing, and you're still doing that today. And yeah, I mean, so what is it about being a naturopathic doctor that keeps you so engaged?
1: Well, it's interesting because I've always known I wanted to go into medicine. I've always had a passion, always wanted to help people. And we can say that I've known what I was doing and I knew my path, but I will say I flipped flopped so many times in my practice because everybody says you have to have a niche. But truthfully, I think your niche is very hard to commit to long term because people you you attract the people that Are resonating most with you at that time. So Mm -hmm. when my mother in law was sick with cancer, I was treating many, many cancer patients. I got pregnant, you know, I, I suppose people saw that it was this healthy pregnant woman who practiced right up until my due date and was back in the office a month after. And so I attracted women who wanted to conceive and then it was pediatrics because, you know, I had all this experience trying all these different supplements on my own kids. So now I was a pro and able to practice on other people's kids. Um, no, I think it's just really, you, you, you switch things up. I am starting to move towards helping women in their thirties and forties and fifties, because I, I think menopause is well catered to, and I think that, Women um, in their childbearing years are well catered to, but no one really talks about women in their late 30s and early, in, uh, I guess, early 40s, late 40s, and it's just this whole generational gap that just gets missed. And there's so much that's going on in this time of life as well.
0: Okay, so that's really interesting. Would you be happy to share? Just you know, what do you mean by that? Because it's kind of a gap that I'd never really have thought needed that much attention.
1: Well, this is kind of like, um, so from, I will say even personally, from my 40th birthday, I started noticing changes in my body. Right. You, I certainly can't go a night with crappy sleep anymore. When my kids interrupt my sleep, I, I don't function as well during the day. Your hormones do start to change. No, it may not be hot flashes, but there are slight little changes that you might notice either in your cycle as a woman, in the way that you sleep, in how you manage stress. Um, So there's all these little changes because your estrogen and progesterone production are slowly starting to decrease. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's the hormonal piece, but then we have to stop and think, There are other stresses for people who have had kids and who have devoted their entire lives to their kids. Now their kids are starting to grow up and don't need them as much. Mm I have recently found myself in a place where I'm trying to reconnect with who I was before having kids. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's actually been kind of a neat process for me because I was a student before having kids. I remember once I graduated, because my husband's a flight attendant would often be gone, I have tried buying beads and making jewelry and realized I, I don't actually like making jewelry. <laughs> I'm not a musical person. I tried knitting and sewing. None of that really jives with me. So over the years I've had to start to figure out like who am I when I'm not studying and when I'm not a mom and when I'm not a wife and when I'm not a naturopathic doctor. And I've come to realize that I will be a puppy trainer, um, but I love making food. I love um, growing food, so I love working in my garden in the backyard. Yeah, so I'm I'm slowly rediscovering who I am mm-hmm. when I'm not all of those other titles.
0: Yeah, it's funny actually because the last lady I interviewed, um, it was Mickey, who I think you know, um, yes. and Mickey said the same thing. She said, "Let me introduce myself before I get into the labels and the titles, because we become all of those things." And then somewhere we're like, hmm, but who is at the base of all of that? Exactly. And what is it that I love? What is it that I want to do? What is it that I did when I didn't have all the responsibilities? And very often, as I, said, I think I've said in another podcast, is interesting. It's about the age of eleven. Apparently, what you're doing at around the age of eleven is something that invariably you come back to.
1: That's interesting because I, I don't even remember being eleven. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, you have to go back over some childhood albums or something and see what you were doing. Apparently. Yeah, (laughs) indeed. Let's get back to when you made the move to Calgary, you said you wanted to, you just knew you needed to get away and, you know, go and see some stuff. So what was it within you that made you make that move? Because it's a pretty brave move.
1: Well, my husband and I... um had decided that we would take a trip during my last year of school. And we went to Ottawa, we went to Vancouver, we went to Calgary, because we thought, let's just tuck it out and see, maybe. And I tell you, when I landed in Calgary, I just fell in love. The sky is so blue there. The sunny days are just, they're so numerous. It's a dry cold. Everybody thought I was going to be miserable when I moved because I hate the colds. Because it's
0: long winters too, isn't
1: it? But the thing about Calgary is that you get Chinooks. So you don't actually put away all your clothes. My first Christmas there, I was walking along the Bow River in shorts and a T-shirt. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So for anybody
0: who doesn't know, what's a Chinook?
1: A Chinook is just, um, I don't even know, like, the geographical or not geographical, but the environmental changes. I think it's just that the pressure is coming in over the mountains and it brings in warm weather. So yeah, it was just so magical. And I remember I looked at my husband and said, I, I don't know if you're coming with me. We weren't married yet. We just knew we would be. Um, and I said, I don't know if you're coming with me, but I'm moving here. And as we continued on our trip and we went to um, Lake Louise and we went to Banff and he proposed to me while we were in Banff or no in Lake Louise. So um yeah, I guess that just meant that he was all in and ready to move to Calgary with me too, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we, we were able to set up shop there and just we lived in an apartment and eventually moved into a home. And
0: and what was it about the lifestyle that you loved?
1: Everybody prioritized health. There was a way better work-life balance. At lunchtime, people would be walking around. They were outside. I did a running group there. And there were 60 of us training for a half marathon. And wow! granted, it was also the location. So people from other running rooms would come to ours because mm-hmm. we would run around the reservoir and we'd be in the woods and in meadows. And, you know, these were the type of runs where people would come out and say, there's a bear, go the other way. Seriously, and how seriously. fun and you would see deer and you would see just all sorts of terrain and rivers and just, you were really in, immersed in nature there. Mm-hmm. And and I remember I ran before having my daughter and then I started running again when she was, I think eight or nine months old. I registered for a running. I learned to run because of course I was starting from scratch again mm-hmm. in April thinking, okay, it'll be warmer. I can get it there and do this with her. And don't you know, it's minus 40. And we have a snowstorm on the first day of the run. Yeah. So I'm me. <laughs> bundling her up. I've got tears down my face. There's a point where I tell everybody to go because she's crying and I have to stop and nurse her. But I knew if I didn't keep going, I would never run again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, so there's that part of the lifestyle where it's just everybody is healthy. Everybody is outdoorsy. Everybody is kind and slow and present. Yeah. It's just very different to the lifestyle here. Very different from growing up in Richmond Hill.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Richmond Hill, again, if so, somebody doesn't know Richmond Hill is basically a suburb of Toronto.
1: Yeah. It's North Toronto. It's part of York region. Yeah. But it's very fast paced. It's changed so much. Mm. Even since I grew up there. Uh, yeah yeah, I I wouldn't go back (laughs) this is why I keep moving further and further north
0: (laughs) fair enough okay so my husband and I's conversations about moving to Calgary all of a sudden I'm like "Mm,
1: I haven't really got too many objections left have I oh it's so lovely there yeah now I will say I don't know what it's like now because when we left it was the recession and I know things have been tough for them there Mm. since but it is just just so beautiful because that
0: was going to be my next question would you go back
1: if I didn't worry about aging parents and I didn't have to worry about starting another practice because I've done that so many times and I don't want to do that again, I would absolutely go back. Mm -hmm. Even the medical care there was different.
0: Really? Yeah. So did it support a more natural way of being a more natural way of living?
1: I think it was more accepting of it. Um, So I think it was different because There, you didn't see a pediatrician unless there was something wrong with your child. So not everything was medicalized there. They had, you didn't need to go to an obstetrician or an OB guy to have your baby. There was uh, family practices that were all female doctors and they just focused on that. If you wanted to do a midwife, it wasn't covered at the time. So that's Mm -hmm. why I didn't do one, but I, I was fully equipped. I had Mm -hmm. homeopathics and my best friend in there with me. And I had my labor plan templates and all the doctors were just so cool and understanding and open. Nobody ever like made fun of me for being overly natural or wanting things to go a certain way. So it was just very welcoming and embracing of different philosophies.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: you saying about
0: the being overly natural, let's talk about that. And the reason I say it is because I came to more of a natural way of being later in life. And although I always thought I was a natural, favored a natural way of being and never taking, you know, a lot of painkillers or anything like that, never taking medications unless it was absolutely necessary, I think it was only after the birth of my second child that I saw was introduced to this whole different way of being. Obviously, you studied so much in order to be a naturopathic doctor. So how come you chose that route? Because it sounds as if the natural health was always more of your
1: thing. So it wasn't. I had never actually heard about naturopathic medicine until my last year of school. I had never seen a naturopathic doctor personally. Tell us more. I, yeah. <laughs> I just got so frustrated with the conventional medical model. My mother-in-law, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, she had gone in months before saying I've got arm pain and in a woman. So ladies, if you're listening and you have arm pain on one side, get them to work you up for breast cancer, because that is a really pathognomonic Symptom of breast cancer because those lymph nodes get blocked up. And she had gone to her doctor and said, Her doctor said, I'm not a bone doctor. I don't know why your arm is sore. And that was it. And she left it. Breast cancer is very treatable. So I think had they flagged her on that earlier, Hmm. she'd still be with us today. And then I also think back to my dad having, so he's diabetic and he had cardiovascular disease. And I always found his care very frustrating. I don't fault his doctors. They were Mm. lovely, but it's the way we teach our doctors. So my dad would come home and I'd say, well, let me help you. We can make some healthy food and you know, you like cookies. I can make them so that they're sugar-free and they won't affect your blood sugar. And we can change your diet. So cholesterol doesn't have to be an issue. And he would just look at me and say, my doctors say, if I take my medicine, I can eat whatever I want. So why would I do all of this work? Hmm, um, interesting. Lo, lo and behold, in my exam week of, I think it was my fourth year or fifth year, I get a call that my dad's had a heart attack. And I will tell you, I was not sad. I sh- mm. Maybe should have been, that would have been the normal reaction, but I was actually angry because mm. I always knew that it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. Yeah. So because to me, this was all preventable. Like, I remember them putting him in the hospital for something. And they were feeding him ice cream and jello. And I'm thinking, the guy is diabetic. diabetic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even need a naturopathic degree or a nutrition degree to know that there's all kinds of things that are wrong with this picture. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then I was able to start to take a look back at things and say, no longer want to be a conventional medical doctor. This just it doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to prevent people from having to get to the point where they're now going into the hospital or getting to the point where we're working on their end of life care because we didn't prevent things earlier.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So how do you think you're raising your kids differently because of the knowledge that you have?
1: Well, one thing that I will say that my kids have as an advantage compared to the general population, even my patients, is that this is all they know.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good.
1: Right. They and I've taught them in such a way that I don't think that they feel deprived. So my kids have never had a can of pop. Mm -hmm. They've never been to McDonald's. Um, And it's not to say that there's anything horrifically wrong if your Mm. kids have, It's just that because these were our core values growing up, that what we put in our body and how we take care of our body, I implanted that seed from the very beginning. This is all they know. Yeah. And So, you know, we've been at birthday parties and they said, oh, they get that pop or that juice. And I say, okay, like if you really need a juice, we'll grab an organic juice on the way home. Mm -hmm. I don't ever stock the juice. I don't ever bring pop home. If there is something like other kids get loads of gummies, I'll say we can go get gummies. They just don't have to have artificial colors and flavors in them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not that they've been deprived. It's just this is my opportunity Mm -hmm. to give these two little beings the best start at life. And I started that even before I got pregnant, I made sure that I was, my body was healthy and that I could conceive them. And even Mm -hmm. now I make sure my body is healthy because I have huge dreams about what I'm going to do with them, even as they get older and they don't want to hang with me. They don't know (laughs) what I'm going to still be around.
0: (laughs) Very cool. So do you feel like, um, Actually, do you know what? I was going to ask, do you feel like you've given up anything? But actually, I know from my own experience that going to a natural and healthy life, I certainly don't feel like I gave up anything.
1: No. And I think once you start to reap the benefits of it, Mm. you start to realize that the benefits that you gain are way greater than anything you give up. Mm. So I've been gluten-free for years. And when I eat, gluten, I feel like garbage. So Mm -hmm. sure, I could walk into, you know, any coffee shop and buy any uh, tart or sweet or whatever. But it doesn't make me feel good. So if I'm going in to have something and making a conscious choice, because I really want something lovely and delicious, well, I'll either bake something or go to a gluten free bakery and Mm -hmm. have it. Am I giving anything up? Absolutely not. I still relish in these delicious foods. I just do it differently.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, my son's gluten free. So the same thing. And he has been for, yeah, probably four or five years now. And the difference to him is unbelievable, too. Yeah. So I totally get it. I mean, okay, so what are the most common things that you see from women coming in of our age that you think are such easy things to change, you know, to, to get rid of or to calm down? What would you advise women of our age to be doing? Yes. I'm 50. So
1: coming in. It's all the same though, this this whole phase. Um, So there's really five things that I get women to start focusing on. Okay. Uh, I really encourage them to start to manage their stress. I want to actually preface everything that I'm about to say, but it's the little changes that we make. It's just making small changes in a really consistent fashion. Mm -hmm. So you know, if managing your stress means you're getting out for a walk, that's fabulous. If you don't have time for a one hour walk journal or deep breathe for five minutes or stand up and dance to your favorite song, like what's the average song, like three and a half minutes or something. Mm -hmm. If you can just do deep breathing or meditation or yoga, I mean, there's so many opportunities to figure out what it is that works for you. You don't have to subscribe to them all. Nobody Mm -hmm. has time to do all of these things every single day. So just start somewhere, find one thing that works, one thing that you enjoy, and then make that uh, a consistent habit in your daily life. Okay. Another thing that I would say is sleep. If your sleep is not in check, you have to get it in check because when we're not sleeping, we are grumpy the next day, or at least <laughs> I am. But I think the other thing is, is that we don't realize that night after night of poor sleep actually affects our cortisol levels. And when our cortisol levels are affected, it further affects our sleep. It also affects our sex hormone levels.
0: Mm-hmm. How many
1: times do women come in and they're like, I don't know that it's my libido that's gone, but it's my desire. but I want, And I want to, but I'm just so tired at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking there's nothing wrong with your your body. There's nothing wrong with your mind. There's nothing wrong with your relationship. Of course you want to be intimate with your partner, but that's exactly it. You're tired. So let's find ways to nourish the body. Let's Mm -hmm. find ways to get great quality sleep so that when you're ready, when you're, you have that opportunity that you can actually seize it. Mm -hmm. So sleep is so important sex. And when I say sex, I'm referring to the sex hormones, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is possible that now as women are approaching their period, their estrogen is dropping off and their estrogen is a little lower than it normally was before. And so they might be experiencing hot flashes. Mm-hmm. And for some women, that's terrible. It's waking them from their sleep. And then we're going back to that disorderly sleep and horrible reactions during the day and poor relationships. Everything is just so tightly connected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to the stress piece, when we're stressed, we do a really, we have a really tough time managing our cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. So then we are more prone to blood sugar imbalances. Uh, Our weight is more susceptible to the amount of carbohydrates we consume in a day, we're just a little bit less tolerant. And so then I'm, I'm often telling women, we have to balance out how you bring in carbohydrates into your meal and into your body and how you're balancing it with fats and how you're balancing it with protein. So it doesn't have quite the negative impact that it used to, or that it's having right now, mm-hmm. because in the past, you know, we could all eat loads of bread and crackers and and whatnot and, and pasta and it had no impact. Mm-hmm. Whereas now for some women, it is having an impact and it's impacting them in such a way that they're worried about their body image and they're wanting to thin out, but no matter what, they do, no matter how many calories they cut and how much exercise they do, they're not seeing any changes. And that's because weight loss and healthy body composition is way more than calorie in calorie out. Mm-hmm. It's about all of these hormones. And it's also about if you're eliminating, so that would be the f- the fifth piece is if you're not eliminating properly, these toxins reabsorb into your body, and they cause cellular damage, and they allow estrogen to accumulate, and they allow uh, cholesterol to accumulate in your body. Mm-hmm. So really, we're looking at stress, sleep, sex, those sex hormones, sugar intake, and your bowels. Mm-hmm. Or, Yeah. So mm-hmm. those those are the really big things. And those are important okay. at any time of year. But I would say even more now. Okay.
0: I love the opportunity that we have right now because that everything that you've just shared is so crucial and so important and also goes hand in hand with when you talk about the reducing stress and the cortisol and, you know, potential hot flashes, anything like that, that goes hand in hand with the work that I do with people, which is actually about finding ways to speak your voice, to express your emotions, to clear out old past uh, wounds and past trauma, because all of that actually is holding energy in the body and it's causing stress. It's causing lack of sleep. It is absolutely causing hot flashes because the energy of anger and frustration, it's a hot energy. And if you've got no way to get that out and express that, guess what? It's bubbling away <laughs> inside of your body. To me, what's so fabulous about us having this conversation now is that, yes, you can come at it from both angles and neither is the complete answer on its own because they work hand in hand. In order to reduce your stress, you've got to deal with some of the
1: old, the old wounds, Absolutely. And something that you just actually said that made me think about is even if someone's constipated, I often ask if they're feeling stuck in their life. Yeah, really? What are they holding on to? Right? Because that's exactly your bowels, your body, it mimics what's going on emotionally. Someone who's got loose stool is usually rushing around anxious and feeling like life is passing them by so quickly and their bowels are mimicking exactly that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, so that's cool. And it's so nice not to have to, as I say, not to have to compete for information, as in, no, no, this way is better than that. We're all a whole entity, we're a whole ecosystem, and we need to look after every section of that. I mean, I remember you saying to me years ago, okay, so rather than having the whole bagel for lunch, just try a half bagel. And now I'm like, oh, I can't eat a full bagel. Oh, my goodness, no. too many wasted carbohydrates (laughs) (laughs) so do bear in mind that your simple steps that you tell people to take are the easiest ones to change and the easiest ones to maintain okay so I want to find out more about you okay okay and I really appreciate you sharing your professional advice and at the end I'll also ask you to share your website stuff so anybody can come and contact you for that Okay, so what have been the most tough challenges for you to face?
1: I will say moving back. So I think the hardest part is every time you have to leave a clinic because I've left a couple of clinics. Mm -hmm. Um, You love your patients. You love the people that you work with, but you realize that each clinic, each place is like a season. So sometimes you're doing it for personal reasons and sometimes you're doing it for professional reasons. But each time you do it, it's like, being in a divorce. It's tough. It is. Um, I've been blessed because, you know, many of my patients from Calgary still reach out to me. I don't, I don't treat them because I'm not allowed to treat outside of Canada or outside of Ontario. But it's so nice when they're still commenting and updating me on how they are because you know, some of these families, they couldn't get pregnant. And now their kids are celebrating their 14th birthday. It's wow, I'm I'm blessed to be invited into their lives and that they're still sharing this with me. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you do leave, it is it's like a divorce, there's lots of stress, you need that closure. And it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, My move from Calgary was probably I would say that it's It was my traumatic experience. It wore me out because we were moving back. We were moving. Now it wasn't a cube van. We had to like ship a car, ship furniture. We had two kids. It's amazing how much stuff they accumulate. Mm -hmm. So then we were moving back staying at my mom's for a bit because our house wasn't, we didn't have the keys yet, but amidst all this, I was trying to set up a practice here and a couple at that time. And because the new naturopath who was going to take over for me in Calgary, hasn't hadn't started yet. I flew back every two weeks with my little one because I was still nursing him to be able to see patients there. So every goodness, two weeks, the commitment. Yeah. I I had to, you know, organize a car, organize a place to stay, organize child care. Make sure that you know everything was still set up in terms of my practice there. I'd fly back and forth, and I did that three or four times. And then coming back every time, it was like, okay, now I'm starting from scratch here. I oh my goodness, didn't feel settled. It actually took me eight years, probably, to feel settled in Newmarket. Wow. Um, and that was because I was practicing in Kleinberg and in Orangeville. And there was a point that I was practicing at three clinics in Newmarket, Orangeville and Kleinberg. And I got to the point where I was doing more patient management than mm-hmm. the type of patient care. My, my energy was going into the wrong things. And mm-hmm. that's when I said, this isn't how I wanted to practice. And mm-hmm. we need to do things in a way that just inspires us. As in, and that is in line with how we want to care for people. When you're doing mm-hmm. something like this, you can't, you can't do it in a way where you're not present or where you're exhausted and you can't give. So again, saying bye to each of those clinics and finally having the courage to just open up at home thinking "Oh, what will people think if I'm practicing from home, but in all reality, I found that people walk in and they feel just comfortable and safe and literally at home where now we've got the safe, quiet, trusting environment Mm -hmm. and, I really, I'm really proud of myself for doing this. Not only because I ventured out and had to do a whole bunch of new things on my own, but because I was able to create relationships with patients that I hadn't been able to do in the past.
0: So what was the catalyst of you realizing that actually you couldn't be spreading your time in, as you say, caring for people, but in the wrong way, i.e. patient management
1: rather than patient care? I think it was just the fact that when I moved back from Calgary, I knew I had a bit of adrenal fatigue, but see, this is the thing is that I could keep taking all these supplements for adrenal health and I could keep running around, Mm -hmm. but the vitamins don't do anything. If you don't change the underlying problem. And that is exactly what naturopathic medicine is about. So there are no vitamins that will correct a toxic relationship or an unhealthy relationship, there are no vitamins, there are no there's no amount of meditating that you can do if you're working in a hostile work environment or in a work environment, where you're exposed to chemicals, and you're dealing with health issues as a result of it. So sometimes we have to take a step back. And we have to say, you know, if I ever want to have abundant energy, again, abundant inspiration, abundant motivation, abundant drive, I have to stop being so exhausted. <laughs> I think it's such a valid point.
0: Running from thing to thing to thing, and actually not looking at why am I doing that, and what are those things that I'm, chan- you know, putting all my energy into.
1: And I'm teaching my patients to do work-life balance, and then I'm being the biggest hypocrite <laughs> because I'm I'm not doing that, and I'm they appreciate it because I'm available to them, but how long right when we talk about those little changes little changes you can do long term because they're sustainable mm-hmm. but when you're doing these big i'm going to say they're like assaults to your body on a daily basis and you think you're going to do that for the next 40 years yeah well i think i think that's just a little delusional at this point because yeah. that's just not sustainable
0: absolutely so just you saying that kind of made me think about people who used to commute And they would have this long daily commute and the stress and the pollution and the crowds and whatever else, depending on, you know, where you're living, where you're commuting. How do you think or what evidence have you seen within your clients to show that no longer having that commute
1: is actually beneficial? And has it been beneficial? That's a good question. So a lot of my, well, I've got about half and half people still going to work and people working from home. Okay. Uh I think it's a really tricky question to ask because I think there's the emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. because right now we're not just working from home we're not just eliminating the commute we're juggling mm-hmm. our work from home with emotional issues new stressors kids being at home um so I think many people really love not having their commute I think many people are able to sleep in a little bit Mm -hmm. and get sleep that they actually need. I'm not saying they're sleeping till 10 o'clock. I'm Mm -hmm. saying they're sleeping till six or seven um, and they're eating breakfast and they have time to go to the washroom before they're rushing out to sit in traffic. So from that aspect, I think people are really reaping those benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, Some teachers find that online learning is, or online teaching is very hard. And some of them would rather be in the classroom yeah. where they can see the kids and see the quality of the work and they can see which kids need help. Whereas across the screen, it's, it's limited. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, sometimes it's more stressful for, and I've seen many people go through Oh, I love working from home. Oh my gosh, I would do anything to be back in my office. I miss my coworkers. Oh, I love working from home. So yes. it's this big emotional roller coaster because yes, we've given up the commute, but we've given up. I was going to say so much other things, social connections, too. and that coffee or tea with a colleague at lunch or. Um, You know, for me, the first, I would say the first and second lockdown, they were tough. My son does not like sitting behind a computer all by himself. And even now I get text messages, mommy, can you come sit with me for a minute? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's tricky when you're trying to juggle their needs with your own and your patients. So yeah, yeah, I wish I could give you a clear cut answer on that one.
0: That's the thing though, right now, I don't think there are any clear cut answers. Because as you say, it's true, everybody's handling it very differently. And so just like, I mean, you had a lot more on your plate when you did it. And to a degree, I suppose I did. I know a lot of entrepreneurs when they give up the day job, and then start doing their own thing, that loses the social connections, but you also lose the commute. Um, So it's almost like going through a a lot of things that everybody's had to go through, through COVID. You go through it, but you haven't had to give up all of the other stuff like, you know, kids activities or a gym membership or, you know, seeing buddies, seeing friends. This has been so much tougher for people because as you say, everything's been wiped out.
1: Right. And when I, I will, my commute was different because driving to Orangeville is literally one road (laughs) and it's beautiful. and there are trees and grass it's not like commuting downtown or being on the 404 or the 400 um i actually commuting to calgary <laughs> yes that that was different that i would not recommend i don't know how people do it i don't know how my husband does it as a flight attendant but when you see these uh business people getting on planes every week going to dubai or going to japan i don't know how i have so much respect Um, Not even a cell in my body wants to do that because the back and forth (laughs) at Calgary was my, yep, no, that's not the life that I want to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the commute, though, I will say the commute to to Orangeville was always lovely, uh, except for the snowstorms. But it was when I got to just sit in silence or listen to music and just kind of shout at the top of my lungs with no one Mm -hmm. hearing me because my voice is horrible it was also my opportunity to listen to podcasts and just learn yeah so it's not commutes aren't all bad but again I wasn't doing a two-hour commute and I wasn't doing it towards a busy place
0: yeah I mean one of the reasons that we came to Canada actually was because my husband ended up doing a four-hour commute per day
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. And we just said, this is ridiculous. You know, he was exhausted at the weekends. He would leave the house before me. Well, certainly before the kids were up and he would get back after they'd gone to bed. Like, well, where's the quality of life? So is yeah. the mum trying to manage that and, you know, build a business and whatever else? I mean, it was just pff, stress extraordinaire. It was a ridiculous lifestyle.
1: Yeah. And there's so many people that do that. I, I it's. I agree with you. The the quality of life is gone. And the unfortunate thing is, is that when you're doing that, you're coming home and there's no energy left to give to your partner and to your Mm. kids. And on the weekend, I still see many people, you know, who are just disengaged and it's because they don't even, it's not like they're out physically doing something demanding, Mm. but they're just mentally drained. And so they turn Mm. off and they're on the couch watching TV hour after hour and Mm. still just disengaged from their family and from doing things that could be filling them
0: yeah fair enough so when you see things like that happening with your patients what are the key strategies that you give them to try and re-engage i mean obviously you've said about you know reducing stress getting more
1: sleep looking after sex hormones luckily i don't see that in my practice the last one was making sure they're going to the bathroom thank you um yeah (laughs) (laughs) um The, the, I don't see it. Here's the other tricky thing. I think once you get to the point that you're going to see a naturopathic doctor, it's because you've already made that choice to create change in your life. So it may not be my patients. It might be their partners. And so with them, I'm just supporting them because ultimately, you know, when we say I do to our partners, we're saying that we'll stand by them in sickness and health, but we're not saying we'll spoon feed them and we'll put the vitamins in their mouth and we'll pick them up off the couch and get them to go for a run or make them meditate. That is not our job as partners. <laughs> um, our job is to inspire, plant the seeds, set the example, make things available, but it is not our job to parent our partners. No, very um, true. So, and that's hard because we all want our partners to live, um, into their old age and just be vibrant and alive, but that's not our choice. It's their choice. Yeah. Um, and that's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to be able to compromise and juggle when, Mm. when we have expectations of people. Um, so having said that my patients aren't the ones that are doing this because my patients have already made a choice to get up off the couch and come to me. Mm -hmm. It's akin to personally, I think everybody should see a therapist. Um, But it's the difference between knowing that you're emotionally going down and seeing that slippery slope and it's slow and steady, but you know, you're not in a good place and doing something sooner versus waiting until you hit your crisis point. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. So So what do you do for self-care? What do I do for self-care? I go for I a mean, walk every single morning. No, no, <laughs> this is good. I go for a walk every morning at 6.30 with my friend and we go through the woods. I, um. You forest bathe? Yes. And I go, well, I would love to say that my canoe trips are self-care, but they don't happen enough to qualify as self-care. My dog will be self-care. Um. I what do I do? I make yummy food for myself. Mm -hmm. I don't force myself to make yummy food when I don't feel like it, because then it feels like an effort and a task rather than something that I'm doing. I am the type of person that buys flowers not to have on the counter but because I like to cut it and make my food beautiful and eat edible flowers. Mm -hmm. I what else do I do? I deep breathe, I meditate. I journal, I pray, and I don't do all of those things on one day Um, this morning. (laughs) I did my walk and I didn't journal and I didn't pray, but I did do deep breathing with my little heart rate variability monitor. I took my vitamins. I ate beautiful meals. So it's for me, they're little things that I just inject into my day here and there. Mm. Do I get my hair done? Evidently not. (laughs) I don't get my nails done. Um, So that's not the way I do self care, but I do it in my own little, like I said, little injections in my day. Mm -hmm.
0: But isn't that the beauty of where you are now? You actually get to make the choice.
1: That's it. And we know now that it's not about checking something off to say, yes, it was one more thing that I did perfectly. Yes. We know that we can take deep breaths for one minute and that counts as self-care.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also the things like getting your nails done might work for some people, but it's not important to you.
1: Absolutely. And I will say I do like getting my nails done, <laughs> but it's just not something that I need to fill me on a daily basis. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Very, very cool. Okay. So, um, because I'm conscious of time, so how can people find you? And I know that you have a blog. So, even if people aren't in, in Ontario at the moment, they can still benefit from your knowledge.
1: Yeah. So, I've got a website and my blog is linked up to my website at dr. dr. Jalan, J I L A N, Kosh, K O C H.com. I am on Facebook at dr. I'm sorry, dr. Jalan Kosh. and and I'm on Instagram at Dr. Jalan Kosh. So I don't check Twitter. I've got an account, but don't try and contact me through there. I don't remember the (laughs) password or the login. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, those are the two best places to reach me.
0: Okay, that's fantastic. Well, Jalan, thank you so much for your time today. I have learned plenty, which I really appreciate, even though I've seen you in person as well. I've learned plenty today, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I love the fact that it's so down to earth, all the information, the advice, the self-care, and also to know that there are so many simple steps that you can take so long as you keep taking them that are going to make you just feel so much better. And just to get rid of this whole, you know, menopause of doom kind of energy. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I love that you're doing this, Lindsay, keep it up because you're right. There is this idea that um, we're going downhill at this point, but we're not. This is when (laughs) our kids are growing up and we get to witness their successes, but we get to go back and achieve our own at the same time. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think that is the perfect note to finish on. So thanks so much. And thank you very much for listening in. And please remember that if you like what you've heard today, please subscribe. Please share this with your friends. Please comment on Facebook. And I will see you in the next episode for another very inspiring and wonderful
1: guest, just like Jilan today. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye.